Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Toward Light podcast. This week I'm going to talk about the trap of identity we can get caught in, and I will explore a few different terms from the teachings to look at this important topic. And then I want to touch on some ways that we need to hold these understandings and explorations as we work to be anti-racist. Let's start with anatta, roughly translated as not-self. Anatta is one of the three characteristics of existence. All conditioned phenomenon share these characteristics of anicca, impermanence, dukkha, difficulty, and anatta, not-self. So take me as a person. I am ever-changing. Cells are dying and regrowing right now. I experience difficulty in different ways, currently an ache in my low back, and I am not one fixed being. The Kate I am in this moment is not the Kate I was five years ago, or as an infant, or yesterday. While we make assumptions about who we are or who others are based on previous knowledge, When we truly see a being in a moment, we can see the uniqueness of their experience in that moment. Over the years, I've heard different interpretations of this word anatta, and I choose to use not-self. It's not no-self, because there is a being here, right? I am talking to you, you are hearing me. And while not-self isn't a perfect translation, It has the connotation of not ownership or not solid. So when I say this word anatta, that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to guide us on a little reflection practice thought experiment to get in touch with this concept of anatta. So whatever you're doing, whether you're walking or driving or sitting, it doesn't matter. You can do this in any posture, moving or still. You can keep your eyes open or closed. Doesn't matter. But take a breath. Start by taking a big, deep breath. And really reflect on these questions. What are five ways you are different today than you were yesterday? It may be differences in mood, in your body, in your knowledge or understanding. What are five ways you are different today than you were yesterday? Take a breath. Next question. Can you find in your body something that is fixed, that has never changed in your entire lifetime? Search your entire body and see if you can find something that has never changed. Take a breath. Can you find something in your mind that is fixed, that has never changed? Take a breath. Some words from Joseph Goldstein. In meditation, we go from the perception of the solidity of the body to understanding it as a changing, fluid, insubstantial energy system. Take a breath.
Can you think of three ways your body has felt fluid or changed over the last week? Take a breath. Think of a time someone interacted with you from previous knowledge of you. They made an assumption about you based on your past. How did that feel? Take a breath. Let those reflections go. Notice if they helped you to have a clearer understanding of anatta or if they brought up more questions. Know that because we are existing in the world, interacting with one another, we do act from a place of self. We use names, we identify people based on appearance and history. And the Dharma path encourages us to try and see through this artifice and see the truth that we are ever-changing beings interacting with other ever-changing beings. The next term I want to talk about is Sakyaditi, self-identity view. I talked about this in episode 36 as it's one of the 10 fetters. Self-identity view is the concept we have of who we think we are, and we are constantly trying to protect that view, making sure that others see us in alignment with our internal view. My teacher, Matthew Brensilver, uses the analogy of carrying a huge priceless vase and you're trying to keep it safe. So you're constantly adjusting and reacting, trying not to drop it, trying not to bump into somebody. And all your attention is on the vase and potential threats to the vase. This quality is often very pronounced in adolescence. The way that they, and me when I was a teenager, identify so strongly with different groups. I'm a theater kid, or I'm an athlete, or I'm not part of any group. Whatever it is, there's a way that we can use identity to keep us safe or in some kind of community or box or labeled in some way. It can often be quite subtle, the little pieces of our identity that we're hanging on to. This one's not a very subtle example, but one way I'm hanging on to self-identity view here in Mexico is I want to be seen as a quote-unquote good American. I want the locals to see that I'm trying with my Spanish and following all the COVID rules and being a good guest in their country. And I can do all these things and still they're going to view me however they want to. I cannot control their view of me. And the more that I try and calcify into this identity of good American, the more I'm focused on that, the more likely is that I'm not going to put my attention on basic mindfulness and awareness. So an example, if I'm searching for the perfect Spanish word, so I sound like I'm a quote unquote good American, and I'm focused on it so hard that I don't realize I'm standing blocking the entire sidewalk, I'm actually not being what I want to be and I'm actually being the opposite of what I want to be. We all need to look at how we hold on to our identities and how we may be getting in our own way by holding on to them so tightly. The third poly term that I want to talk about in relationship to identity is bawatanha, the craving to become. This is one of the types of craving that leads to dukkha, leads to suffering. When we want to become something, we're ignoring whatever is happening in the moment. When we want to become something, we are rejecting who we actually are in that moment. 
When we want to become something, we are putting aside the truth of anicca, the truth of impermanence. Notice right now, is there some way that you wish you were different or something that you'd like to be that you're not? There can be wholesome desires, right? I want to be healthier. I want to be stronger. But it's about how we hold that. If I have a specific set view about what being healthier looks like or what that's going to mean about me, the wholesome desire morphs into craving. But if I work with the intention to be healthy without attaching meaning to it, it can stay a wholesome desire. Sometimes we can really see the problems with bhavatanha when our craving to become one thing gets in the way of our own self-interest or wisdom. For example, 11 years ago, I was in a relationship and wanted to be a good girlfriend. So I ended up going on all these camping trips with my boyfriend at the time, even though I hated camping. And I never slept well when we did it, which often led to me having a challenging week the following week. I got lost in wanting to be this idea I had of what a good girlfriend was rather than just being who I was. Have you experienced this in your life? Have you tried to become something or someone at the expense of your well-being? Anatta, Sakyaditi, and Bawatanha are all pointing to the same thing. Getting caught up in the self, identity, becoming, is spinning our wheels and leading us to suffering because these identities and these selves are not a fixed thing. And the more we try to solidify them, the more suffering we'll create for ourselves. It's important to see through these roles we place on ourselves and others as much as possible. And we are living human beings interacting with one another, so we will interact from a place of identity or self. When it comes to anti-racism, one spiritual bypass I see at times is this idea of, quote-unquote, I don't see color, or, quote-unquote, it's all anata, so you're just a changing being too. But in this lifetime, we do see color, and BIPOC people are treated differently, and to pretend that that is not real is harmful and not productive. As Ibram X. Kendi says, race is a mirage, but one that humanity has organized itself around in very real ways. Imagining away the existence of races in a racist world is as conserving and harmful as imagining away classes in a capitalistic world. It allows the ruling races and classes to keep on ruling. So while identities, race, class, sexual orientation, etc., 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 are mirages, they are still active organizing systems in our culture, and it would be irresponsible to ignore them. One way we can bring our understanding of anatta into our anti-racism practice is we can see how our attitudes and thoughts around race have changed over time. And we can see the possibility for continued change and growth. And we can see that in others too. Sometimes I have the feeling of why should I talk to folks whose views are so opposite mine or what will that accomplish? But if I hold the truth of anatta and allow myself to listen from a place of flexibility and change and speak from that place, I can't promise that change will happen, but at least I'm not shutting down the possibility of change. At least I'm not ignoring the truth of anatta. As we work to live in the truth of this world, as we work to be anti-racist, we can see the ways that we relate to one another based on identity and where that can cause harm and suffering. 
We allow ourselves to explore the concepts of anatta, sakyaditi, and bhavatanha, while also recognizing the ways we relate to one another around identity often cause harm, and we can work to reduce that harm whenever possible. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108, and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.